Today I'm joined by David. Hello, David. Hi, Philip. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. And I'm joined by Yannick. Hello, good evening. Okay, we were just talking a bit about uh, Yannick's upcoming trip to Vietnam and he was still not sure which lenses to bring. So what, which lenses do you consider? Actually, my uh, lens cabinet is uh, full of interesting options uh, and uh, it lacks the one I really need. So, um, yeah. Excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Uh, so, yeah, one lens I really enjoy using currently is the Sigma 1.235. It uh, delivers outstanding results in any regard. So, this is a lens I surely consider, but uh, I pl uh, plan to backpack a lot. So, maybe it's just too large and heavy. It's um, definitely too large and heavy. <laughs> it's a wonderful <laughs> I have it too, but if you're backpacking a lot, an extra 1.1 kilos for just one lens, no. It, it, it's a bit <laughs> ridiculous, I agree. <laughs> I think Bastian would disagree with you. Uh, he's so much in love with that lens that uh, he seems to for really forget about the weight uh, if he's talking about it. Really yeah, but <laughs> all, all of Bastian's trips recently have been staying in, in hotels. Yeah, and that's true having luggage and it's it's fine for that mm. yeah so, so so the most obvious uh lenses i see right now are the uh, 1.424 g master with it which is uh almost as fast as the sigma but noticeably uh, noticeably uh smaller and lighter and also uh, well suited for astrophotography which would be a nice option yeah, um sure. The Samyang 45mm 1.8 is a lens I don't love, but <laughs> I find hugely uh, useful. So um, I have the same feelings about it uh, as the Sony 1.855. It's just uh, yeah cheap enough to have a constant uh, place in my cabinet. So this is very light, small fast enough and um, a useful option there and uh, the third one would be uh, the sony 1.885 which uh, i currently debate to exchange uh, with a, a sony 100 to 400 g master which would be very useful in the mountains of sapa and uh, yeah the north so, which uh, the lens which is obviously missing is a ultra wide angle lens. Uh, this is true because I uh, don't own one currently, and uh, this is the one I have to purchase definitely in advance. Mm, interesting. I, yes. My, my, my one concern about the Samyang is it's a good little lens, but I, I don't know how reliable it is. Given what we know about some Samyang lenses, you don't want it to fail when you're in a never to be repeated trip. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. I will have to double check this. <laughs> I, I, I I will never know if it will fail in the field, of course. But uh, I there were also issues with the autofocus with this lens, and um, I never uh, encountered them with my uh, former A9. But I didn't check it with my A7R4, so I have some testing to do right now. Also, before I can write a review about it.
Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Yes. Uh, this is also making me hesitate a bit. I mean, I could also leave all these primes at home and take just my 24 to 70 G Master with it, which is a very versatile tool, but it's also not really fast. That's probably the sensible thing, and it's also probably not what I would do. <laughs> yes, <laughs> agree. So, so, so you see, I have uh, choices, but uh, none of them looks perfect. Uh, maybe uh, you have some interesting um, advice for me. What, uh, what would you do in my case? Oh, what would I do? Um, I, well, actually, when I was last in Vietnam, my most used lens was the Batis 225, and I don't have that anymore, and it's replaced with the G Master. 1.424, so I agree that's probably going to be a, uh, a, a great lens to take. Uh, I would be worried, depending on the season, that you shouldn't think too much about astrophotography because the uh, smoke coming up from Indonesia or the pollution coming in from China means you probably won't see very many stars. Mm. Even at 4,000 meters, although I don't know if I can stay up there on the um, highest mountain. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That would be your best chance, obviously. Mm. Uh, so ultra-wide, that's, that's what you're basically thinking about at the moment. Yes. Well, I think I'm probably more of a fan than anybody else on the team of the Batis 18. Um, I personally find when things go wider, whenever I look at my compositions, I always think, oh, let me crop this a little bit. <laughs> You're a bit better off with an 18 to begin with. And it's very light and it's very good across the, uh, across the field. Um, the manual focus sucks a little bit. That's my only real complaint with it. Um, you used to have a, a, a Loxia 21, didn't you? Yes, I loved that, that, that lens, but uh, I replaced it because I didn't have that much time for landscape and manual photography right. in the last one and a half years, yeah. which changes at the moment. So, yes, I also uh, look at this lens uh, also because of the beautiful sun stars. Yeah. What's the second-hand market like? Have you looked at that for Loxia? Because it's been around for a long time now. You might be able to get one for quite a good price. Loxia has become really relatively cheap uh, from a few years ago. Mm. Um, I think they're around 700 or so. Really? That cheap? I thought about 800, 900, but uh, 700 would oh, be a real bargain in my opinion. Um, on eBay Germany, one sold for 700, one for uh, 670, 750. Um, yeah, they have become really cheap. Well, that, that, that's your solution then, unless you Pro want wider. Yeah, probably. Uh, but this would also replace the, <coughs> the G Master, in my opinion. I wouldn't uh, carry uh, them simultaneously with only th three millimeters gap. Maybe that's a good argument for the Batis, 18 millimeter. Mm. For sure, it doesn't have so nice sun stars, but besides that, it's yeah. better for gapping. It's a high-quality optic. I, I know, but Bastian recommended uh, the Lauva 15mm f2 to me, uh, which I also enjoyed when I used it. I still don't know if it's uh, the perfect solution because I just 
hate lenses without EXIF data. I really, yeah. uh, I'm 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 used to uh, shoot it, and although it's easy if it's my only lens without it uh, to edit, um, I I still this still holds me back. It feels just like five years ago, and um, yeah, this is uh, why I'm. Also, looking at the zoom lenses, uh, the 12 to 24 is a lens we currently lack uh, in our review portfolio, and the Sigma 14 to 24 as well. But that's a larger lens already. Yeah, uh, the Sigma 14 to 24 is 800 grams. <laughs> yeah, it's not that heavy, really, for, for what it is. It's surprising. Yeah. I would certainly take it over the Sony, which is 560 grams, mm. so a little over 200 grams difference, and you gain a stop and better quality. Yeah, the, the quality looked pretty amazing to me in the samples I've seen, especially for a zoom at this price, size, and weight point. Yeah. Or you take a simple white blender 50mm f4.5, um, it's no good for astro and not a great optic and it will be a bit, a bit difficult to find a really good one but you have a good distance to the 24mm G Master and it's a great landscape lens with high contrast, sun stars, great handling and yeah. light. Yeah, yes, uh, that's true. I also um, enjoyed the 12mm in some ways, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> it... Uh, it uh, yielded me really nice images, uh, quite a lot, uh, and it also uh, it always uh, shined with good contrast, uh, flare resistance, and uh, sun stars. But uh, the corner sh sharpness was always a bit lacking. I know that the 15 is a bit better in this regard, but by how much compared to the other options? That's what I'm wondering about. Yeah, the 10 millimeter put me off that series. Because it's uh, really not great anywhere outside the central third. Yes, th that's what I was feeling with the it's, 12 mm. The 10 millimeter, it's a central third because I t reviewed the 12 millimeter together to, to with Yannick, and it felt more like the outer third at most wasn't. Mm. Yeah, the rest so I, I think the 12 is a bit better than the 10 yeah. in this regard. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, one worry I have about the Lawa is there seems to be quite a lot of variation. Yeah, um, my impression as well. And also, it's pretty crap at close distances, and not just minimum focus distance. I think anything less than about a meter. And with a with a fifteen millimeter lens, you quite often want to put something that close. Oh yes, that's true. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I remember when I was uh, at Jakarta in a, a large temple, um, I really could uh, yeah, achieve spectacular compositions with the nice foreground and the temple in the background. So this would be useful to have. I agree. Okay, so interesting choices. I will uh, make up my mind again and uh, think about what we just uh, talked about. And, uh, yeah, let's see what I will end up with in March. Yeah. Well, I think one last thought is if you're the Sigma, the Sigma 14 to 20, sorry, 14 to 24, yeah, 
Um, it makes sense if you're going to take two wide lenses. Uh, I think the alternative would be to just take one mm, yeah. and nothing else, and that would make sense because then you'd be saving a lot of weight. But if you if you end up carrying 800 grams in two wide lenses, like a 24 and an ultra-wide, then the Sigma really starts to look like it makes sense. Yeah, that's true. I will definitely add a faster 35mm lens to my uh, bag then to yeah take environmental portraits and uh, stuff like that. But in this combination, it would be a good option if I substitute the 24 with the zoom, uh, which also substitutes uh, ultra-wide prime. Yeah. I was thinking the other way around, because the 24, I think, especially on the Mark IV, should be a pretty nice 35mm f2 if you crop it to APS-C and still have 26 megapixels or so. What do okay. you think about that? That's a good idea. It's a new new option to me. I wasn't used to in the past. So, um, yeah, I will give it a thought. It makes sense for sure. I think it depends on how central to your shooting 35 is. Like if, mm. if a third of your shots are going to be 35, then you don't uh, want to be crop. But mm. if it's just occasionally, it's a great idea. Okay, to be honest, 35mm is a focal length I uh, love quite a bit and uh, I use it quite often to, because I prefer that uh, yeah, neutral but wide perspective uh, for yeah, documentation of events and cities. So, yes, um, this will be a hard uh, decision. Yeah. Good luck. Thank you. Good luck. And... Um... We were also talking about the new Leica, not that new, Leica SL Aposumicrons, 750-gram lenses. Uh, in, I think they come in 35, 50, 75, 90 millimeters today. Um, and they are another example of really lenses of a degree of perfection, not, not now, five or six years ago. And uh, I think, um, David, you would like to have them in E-mount? Yeah, yeah. Similar? Ever since I saw these, I thought to myself, this is another example of a whole genre of lens that we don't have yet for E-mount, and in fact doesn't yeah. exist anywhere except for Leica. So we have absolutely almost perfect, very fast, very heavy lenses, like uh, the Big Sigmas and some yeah. of the G-Masters. And we have some small, slow, very high-quality, uh, no-holds-barred manual lenses. But what we don't have is moderately fast, no-holds-barred, excellent autofocus lenses. All the autofocus lenses, autofocus primes on the market that aren't f1.4 or faster are budget models that are you know, really quite good but sort of not perfect. And the idea of a, something like a 750 gram f2 lens that is really fantastic has approximately the same form factor, I would say, as the Sony Zeiss 1.450, but just that little bit more perfect. I can't imagine having a whole bag of them, but if there's one of the, if there's one focal length that people really, really like, I can imagine it being a very tempting lens to have. Like for me, maybe a 235 in this genre would be just a fantastic lens to have. Uh, light enough to carry everywhere, unlike an f1.2, um, but just you could use it at 
every aperture and in every position across the field with complete confidence. Um, but I can't think who's likely to make one of these. It doesn't seem to be something which the marketers think is very saleable, um, uh, except to the kind of person that buys Leica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I think if Zeiss uh, wouldn't have screwed up the autofocus on the Bartes 40mm, this lens would be quite close to those <clears throat> uh, Leica lenses. Um, this is also a lens with very low aberrations, uh, good image quality across the field wide open, and... Um, neutral but not great uh, bokeh so i think this is the lens that comes closest to what you describe with these yeah. aposomicrons actually maybe the the Bartis is slightly more sensible because when you look at the mtf it's not quite as insanely good as the uh aposomicrons for the sure mtf for the aposomicrons is really crazy it's uh, yeah. yeah i just looked it up they are uh, wide open at 80 percent at uh, yeah. 40 lines exactly. per millimeter uh, mm. line pairs pairs well. and uh totally flat mtfs um it's really crazy and also at closer focusing distances and so in some ways you might think the bias is more sensible because you need to be twice as big to get upper sumicron type mtfs Yes, yes, I see. It's not exactly the same genre, even if it's, you know, really, in, in realistically, maybe more useful. Yeah, yeah and in, in real-world think... use, it would be probably not that far away except for special applications, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, but if I was spending that such an amount of money, I would, wouldn't be willing to make the sacrifices in, bokeh, in the bokeh department you have to make with the Bartis mm. 40 millimeter. Yeah, because I think that's uh, one of the less smooth lenses we have today. In that the, the only lens I know of that's not an aposumicon, which I think in some ways is similar, is the Bartis 135. I mean, it's f2.8, but f2.8 yeah. is the same thing as f2 in a shorter lens, really. And yeah, it's kind I, of I agree. Well and uh, and uh, not not very large. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the Void Blender 50mm f2 um, follows that design approach. It maybe has a little bit more wingmating, but it has also the crazy MTF. Of course, it's in manual, manual focus length and can be a bit smaller because of that, but I think it comes rather close. Um, yeah, it's half the size and weight, really, because yeah. of that. And this one seems to be really well received. Um, it's um, out of order in uh, in many places, and uh, the review was also well received. It got a rather large amount of attention for a work blender lens. The full and, blender. Yeah. Yeah, um, mine hasn't arrived yet. I'm very, I'm very annoyed. It, it yeah, hasn't arrived yet. To, 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 be, to be honest, I'm also thinking about this lens constantly, and it doesn't give me a good rest uh, to not have used it right now. <laughs> so the, the, the thought only excites me as well. I have used it, and yeah, I can only say that the performance is spectacular, and um, I, I don't feel that I really need such a level of performance. Um, I'm totally fine with the trade-offs I make with a 1.2 40mm or 50mm from Vogtländer 
um, mm. although I tried to pronounce it in German now, and um, I really prefer to have the speed um, over the better correction of an upper lens. So it's a bit lost on me. But, yeah, uh, every, time, every time I use the the 265, I really enjoy the fact that it's fantastic. Um, now, realistically, of course, when you actually look at the whole picture, it doesn't really matter. But there's something fun when you're just when you're doing the processing and when you're pixel peeping. It's just very pleasurable to uh, make the whole task more pleasant when the performance is just astonishing in that way. But I agree, it's not relevant for the production of quality images. I, I think you really start enjoying this uh, when you're shooting with a very high megapixel count camera. This is uh, also what I experience right now, that I'm just much more pixel peeping and uh, just just enjoying it, freaking out by everything what I see. Uh, and uh, this lens would be perfect for this purpose, of course. It actually raises a very interesting question about what we use our images for. So I probably have maybe at most 10 to 12 pictures from my entire life that I've printed large and have on walls. Uh, everything else is probably mainly viewed by people on at most 5K screens. Um, but what I mostly do with my images is spend time on them, processing them, getting them ready, looking at them. And when you do that, you pixel peep from time to time. And, 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 that, and that's when you enjoy the performance. Uh, I, I, I mean, uh, this is making us guys maybe a bit special that we really enjoy this part of the job. Yeah. Um, I, I must say I uh, I had an exhibition where I printed 18 large images and uh, this is where I, uh, the high megapixel count really made the difference for me the first time in real life. Oh, absolutely. Half, half of the images were shot with an A6000. Uh, uh, the other images were shot with an Alpha 7R. And um, yeah, the the difference was more overwhelming than I expected it to be. And yeah, um, yeah did anybody the, else notice, or just you? Uh, a, 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 a friend of mine who's also a photographer. So this answers <laughs> your question. Another <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, yeah. thing is how big you're prepared to go yourself. So. I, I have a number of of um, landscape and wilderness images from the days. I don't know, seven or eight years ago when I used to use Micro Four Thirds for backpacking and Canon full frame for non-backpacking. And I had all these great, at least I thought they were great, images on the Micro Four Thirds and I just can't print them much bigger than A, A4 really. Yeah. Um, because if I print them any bigger than that, then they just don't quite satisfy me. And you can go up to any size once you've got to six, any reasonable size once you've got 60 megapixels. Mm. For sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's also an interesting question when you write a review. So, um, do you try to take a reasonable view, uh, viewpoint? Um, and will anybody besides geeks like us notice? Is that the perspective you emphasize? Or do you follow your inner geek Um pixel peep to a really, really high degree and um, take issue 
with every aberration. So um, that's one yeah. way to go at it, which many people do, but I feel it doesn't really help many people, just a yeah. very few. For sure. Yeah, I, I think you need to do both. I mean, people are reading our stuff because they want to know about every last aberration. But I think you're absolutely right. It's important to give the other perspective because I think many people that read reviews don't understand how relatively insignificant these differences are. Mm. So, you know, someone like, say, Fred Miranda will say, you know, this lens here, it's definitely slightly better in the outer field. And people read that and think, oh, my God, this other lens is terrible in the outer field. <laughs> so when writing a review, I take quite a lot of effort to document uh, any aberration and issues. But in the conclusion, I try to be a bit more general and don't take the geek's perspective because a geek can look this at the sample samples and draw his own conclusions because he knows very well what specifics he likes for yeah. the conclusion. I try to be a bit more general and I, I address it this, more yeah. at Sorry. a normal user. I think this also raises the question um, what our audience expects of us. I mean, uh, these days, many of our reviews are ranked really high in Google and uh, people are just... Uh, Yeah, uh, reading them uh, that are not our uh, initial core users. So it's uh, really uh, important uh, not to mislead them with our uh, info with the information we uh, give to them. Yeah, uh, one thing I've been thinking about recently too is what kinds of performance issues show up in whole images even when they're not large and which ones depend on magnification. Mm -hmm. And the kind of overall contrastiness and flare performance and, uh, you know, degree of kind of bleeding of highlights, all those sorts of issues show up in, you know, just, just looking at the whole image on a 27-inch monitor just really, really clearly and don't depend on magnification. So mm -hmm. they may, in fact, matter more than um, the last degree of resolution you'll only ever see by drilling down. Yeah, this is also why I still enjoy the images I took with a Folklander uh, 12mm. Yeah. Because it uh, actually shined in all these um, whole image topics. Yeah. Uh, and uh, things like sun stars, for example, uh, flare resistance are really important in for the final image that everybody can see also those who are viewing images just on a smartphone in social networks and whatever yeah yeah no, that's right yeah. so so yeah we have we have to differentiate uh, between our nerd heart and mm -hmm. uh, the really useful things but uh, a life wouldn't be as uh, enjoyable without the first one <laughs> that's true that's true uh Yeah, I'm still on my old A7 Mark II and it's starting to fall apart in smaller places. It's still okay overall, uh, but uh, yeah, I've been debating with myself for months now to get in, you know, pro probably an A7R Mark III. Um, but... Uh, Just now, I feel like I should do a photographic project in maybe February because uh, weather is still rather shit here. And I feel a bit like uh, a little bit bored. Um, 
because um, yeah, I have all my places I know around here and all pictures I take are rather similar and I don't feel really challenged at the moment. Uh, and so I'm looking for a new challenge at the moment and but I haven't really found it yet. Um, I've been considering shooting film for a month, which would, would be a really big change for me because uh, I've maybe taken three roles of film in my life. I enjoyed it, but yeah, not enough <laughs> to keep doing it um, or just using one old lens like when I, what I did two years ago when I used the Minolta MC 55mm 1.7 for a whole month and nothing else, which I really enjoyed the experience, or maybe do something else, but um, I haven't really come up with a good project so far. I, I think if you really want to uh, to yeah get across uh, your boredom, you have to challenge yourself with uh, something you have never done before, and all the things you think about are challenges, but uh, they don't get you off your comfort zone. And uh, this is what uh, will be really important to uh, grow with that challenge. Yeah. Um, yeah, so have you, you ever thought about... Uh, yeah. yeah. Have you ever thought about uh, yeah, um, making something more with people for, for a while? Just to... I, I, I don't mean the glamour beauty type of people but uh, more important work um, so, sorry for everybody I insult with it but um, <laughs> yeah I, I, I got bored by my people work uh, I did last year which was mainly shooting families showing how beautiful they are and um, yeah showing girls in best light and whatever uh, and um I also think about doing something more relevant, like shooting, uh, uh, yeah, like, um, oh, how, how is it called? Philip, help me, Waisenkinder? Uh, um, orphans. Yeah, orphans uh, for free and things like this. Uh, I think uh, those experiences are really helpful, and um, I also don't have the goal to earn money with it. And... Um, Yeah, once, uh, I mean, it was not even close as uh, important as uh, doing social photography, but uh, I went out one day and had the challenge just to shoot foreign people, just to get into conversation, talk about them, uh, talk with them, take a nice picture wherever they are, and... Um, This this was a great experience. This was a really nice challenge because um, yeah, it also made me grow as a person because I had to get get out of my comfort zone, talk to strangers, which I uh, yeah. usually don't do. Um, think about composition, spontaneous compositions wherever I am with these people. This this was a cool cool experience. Great idea. So one thing I thought about doing from time to time is. Um, about half of the time I live in a relatively small village and I thought it would be quite a fun project to go and talk to all the people who own or work in the small villages and small small stores uh, around here and have a kind of uh, and develop a kind of a collection of village portraits of people in the town. Really and, cool idea. Yeah. yeah and, I, I really like the idea. Um, 
what I'm thinking in that direction. Uh, I'm actually taking many more people images than people usually think because I never publish them. But it's usually I keep more in the background and shoot them more like a reportage. But and I don't sit down with people and really take the portrait. Um, and it would be certainly a good idea, a, a good way to get out of my comfort zone. And I actually live in a rather nice quarter here, and there are uh, quite a few craftsmen and smaller shop owners here. Um, one guy I'm thinking about is a shoemaker, shoe repair, shoe oh, repair cool guy. Hmm? Uh, he's uh, certainly 70 years or older. He's um, every time in the morning when I drive to work. Um, He's already in his shop. He opens at 7 a.m., I think. <laughs> and he's a real character. Um, yeah. And Im imagine how happy he would be if he would have great pictures of himself doing his job. I mean, yeah. uh, imagine how long he will be able to do this. And, um, yeah, he must be really proud of it if you print it nicely and give it to him. Yeah, it's a really good idea. I... Yeah. Well, and also, you could probably publish a tiny, a very, a very slim, possibly self-published book, sort of you know, images yeah. of dot 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 name of your town. Yeah, yeah, that's a rather neat idea indeed. I, I mean, we have so much better things to do than earning money with our photography. So, um, yeah. this this would be a great way. Yeah, to challenge yourself. Yeah. Um, I, I often use gear to challenge myself. Um, mm -hmm. I see maybe as two hobbies. Uh, one is photo gear and one is taking pictures, and they are related in a small degree. That's and exactly the correct way to think of it. That's how I've always yes, think of it. Also, so totally my one opinion. Is gear, is photography. There's some connection, but there's not a lot of connection. Yeah, and um, I take some inspiration from trying new lenses, um, but recently um, I don't think I have reviewed a lens in the last year which really uh, excited me. Um, and uh fed my passion for photography um things uh work blender 110 millimeter to a degree to a bigger degree the work blender 40 millimeter and maybe the loxia 25 millimeter which david also appreciates more and more i think yeah um, i love it yeah i use it a lot um i'm tempted to sell my g master because i almost never use it even though it obviously has certain benefits Uh, I only reviewed it, so I had it for a few weeks and not, not more. Um, but I really consider getting back to that, um, getting one and yeah. probably sell my 21mm uh, Volk Blender 3.5, which I don't use that much. Um, usually it, it takes a 60mm to 35 from Sony. And... Yeah. Um, were you really excited by any lens in the recent time? That's a good question. Really excited. I'm hoping to be really excited by the um, by the the the, the Portlander um, 250. But 
No, not really. Not really. There's um, been nothing that's got me really excited since... I think the, the 25 sort of crept on me. I wasn't excited when I got it. I thought this is very good. It's technically slightly better than the 21. But then I just started to use it more and more and more, and it's like a really central piece of my kit. Um, one thing I've been using quite a lot that I get moderately excited by, and it's not new, is the old Zuko um, Olympus 200mm F5, just because it's surprisingly okay without being wonderful. That's a great slogan. Should have a marketing department surprisingly okay. Everybody will buy it after this. You should probably apply at Cosina Folklander. Because uh, <laughs> I have some room to improve. Yeah. It's still better than their marketing, of course. But it's so small. In my case, the Sigma 35mm 1.2 is a lens that uh, really excites me uh, just because of its excellence and the way the images look like f at f1.2 it's the fastest lens i ever owned and um i still find it challenging to use it at f1.2 at certain distances especially if more than one person is involved and um yeah this lens uh, challenges me to get uh, the best out of it this is when there's more than one person involved with that lens i often vote i often take a series of images And then I, um, mm. especially on a tripod, I'm hand-holding, and then combine them in post. Yeah, ah, so you take several pictures at 1.2, and you yeah. have the person, yeah. ah, neat idea. That's a really clever idea, yes. I, I, I try to arrange them in a, in a in one plane, and uh, it mostly works, especially <laughs> in group shots, uh, because <clears throat> I think uh, it's quite an ultimately cool look uh, for group shots is, indoor, yeah. in, indoor for example i was uh, at a wedding which only happened in the evening so no occasion to um, do the group shots uh, outside and uh, it was just on the dance floor with uh, some nice lights and a bit, little bit of light on the group and um, first uh, the f1.2 was actually needed to get the image in okay image quality and uh, the second aspect is that there is still some subject isolation of the whole group from the location itself so it doesn't look as boring as it would have looked at a four or whatever yeah it's very hard to do as you know obviously it's yes. you've got to get the plane exactly right and then you've got to hold the damn camera exactly parallel to that plane <laughs> It it, it 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 was a lot of work, and the people are very happy that I did it. But yeah. uh, yes, yeah. it's it's hard to get this to perfection, and that's why I still enjoy it because it just challenges me. And uh, yeah, my other uh, uh, behemoth is the word, isn't it? Uh, yeah, the one thirty-five uh, one G master is another lens that excites me a lot. Still, just yeah, because because it's so fast, so reliable, so super sharp, and um, still renders in a very nice way. Maybe not exactly in the same way as the 1.424 or 1.485, uh, but uh, 
still very beautiful and I enjoy the images I take with this lens always when I uh, take them. Probably this is also one lens that has this uh, Summicron L perfection. That's true, and, yeah. And it's al almost F2, so... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it actually makes it faster than it's, it's a it's a sumilux really. It's a yeah, <laughs> sumilux. Yes. Yeah, my my my, my attitude to the uh, to the sigma is a bit like Bastian's, I think, which is incredibly annoyed with it to being so good because <laughs> it is fantastic, but because it's so good, it makes you tempted to take it, despite the fact that it's really annoying to take. <laughs> yeah. Um, David, you have both the Vogtländer 40mm 1.2 and the uh, Sigma Behemoth. Um, yep. And both are rather close in focal length, but totally different design philosophy, uh, philosophies. Completely different design philosophies, completely different use cases. So the, the Vogtländer 40mm 1.2, you know, I, I take it everywhere. It can be, a, you know, as you probably use it this way yourself. It's kind of like a lens cap lens. It's very convenient. Um, You know, there's the only really annoying thing about it is slightly busy bokeh in the outer field. Yeah. Lab. Otherwise, it's a really good, sensible, compromised lens that, you know, does the, is fast, is usable, wide open, at least centrally, stops down to pretty good, albeit not amazing performance. Pretty good by modern standards, which means amazing by slightly <laughs> older standards performance. So, yeah, it's a completely different design philosophy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, When do you take which of them? Oh, well, I use the Sigma when I'm um, at home or around my village. And I use the Sigma if I'm going by car somewhere on a specific trip. Like, so I took the Sigma when I went with a bunch of friends to um, a sort of uh, a safari-type uh, semi-zoo out in the country where we were going for a certain number of days. We were going by car, so it wasn't a hassle to carry yeah. the weight. I knew there'd be lots of people around, old friends for sort of pe people shots. So yeah, I only take the Sigma when I've got a definite plan, whereas you can take the Fulklenter when you um, haven't got a specific plan and you just want a lens. Yeah. Mm. But if w the weight isn't a big issue, you will prefer the Sigma always? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, if the Sigma could be shrunk into the full uh <laughs> form factor, then <laughs> it'll be no cheap for the full <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. One lens that could really, really excite me in the future would be an, another ultra-wide uh, prime lens, to be honest. Uh, There is still not my favorite ultra-wide prime lens on the market, and I really, really hope that uh, Sony will extend the G Master series uh, to that focal length, um, adding a nice speed, maybe a 50mm 1.8 or something like this. Uh, not, not too large. It should take filters. It, uh, it should have good autofocus, and uh, this would be a really cool option. And this, this, this would excite me. Hmm. What, for Astro or for some other purpose? For uh, as a general, uh, as a general ultra wide lens. For Astro first, yes, uh, it should have good coma correction, of course, um, but also for general landscape use. Interesting. I, I've never really been excited by fast ultra wides. I don't really see the point. 
but we uh-huh. we we still didn't have these uh, options in lens design that the short uh, flange distance uh, gives us. So I think there could be uh, less compromise than in the past and a much more well-rounded package in such a lens. Yeah. And so, the speed. So did, you find, yeah. did you find that with the 21 millimeter 1.4 that the 1.4 was photographically useful? Um, at uh, times, a little bit. Um, you could at times take rather cool portraits, which with a rather centrally organized per- person or uh, sheep or whatever, and um, also has a background slightly out of focus, and that, that's... Uh, it's rather a one-trick pony and nothing I would buy it for. So uh, uh-huh. Astro would be the main argument for me. And then there, the poke blender was good but not great. And so I'm a bit with you. I wouldn't have a lot of use for the speed besides and Astro. I sort of think that once you get to 15 millimeter, you, it'll obviously have a bit more softness in the background at f1.4. But there'll be so much depth of field because it's 15 millimeter that the difference yeah. is not going to be huge, and you'll be paying for it in size and cost. No, I, I mean you you guys know that I'm into astrophotography, and yeah, this will, astro it totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This this, this will be uh, this is actually the only reason I uh, I look at this aperture. Uh, on 24 millimeters, I uh, have to disagree a bit. I use it very very. Um, yeah, o- often at 24, 1.4, I really like this for portraits of my son, uh, for walking around, uh, finding interesting compositions, also at close distance. Oh, um, I agree. Throwing the background I, 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 out of it. 24 uh, That's why I've got the, the G Master. I yeah. only ever use it at 1.4, and then I switch over to the lens here. Yeah, yeah, no, the, the bokeh yeah. is so be- so beautiful. It's incredible for a 24 millimeter oh. lens. Yeah. Uh, and um, one thing I really, really enjoyed it was shooting wedding dance and uh, things like this because it gets a very intimate perspective. It uh, really uh, trends amidst the action that is happening and you feel right inside it uh, when you look at the images, especially with a slightly blurred background. And this is a really cool use for it. Yeah. I think 24 versus 21 millimeter is a real difference here. And, um, yeah, the bokeh is also smoother on the G Master than on the 21 millimeter Vogtländer. So... Yeah, it's still Sony's masterpiece, I think, that 24mm. And, uh, yeah, after I've got a new camera, yeah, but also there's a locks of 25mm. Uh, <laughs> let's see. So, I, so there are still lenses I last after, but... Uh, um, and, yeah, I would probably um, really be a bit excited by the G Master 24mm if I got one, because I could use that in nature um, where you are in the forest and uh, Mm. um, slightly blur a tree or whatever um, with that great bokeh. Um, I also really enjoyed that with uh, um, Loxia, how you could do it. I I, I enjoyed this the first time. Sorry. Uh, No problem. Go ahead. Oh, the the lens which will excite me when it finally comes is... 
a replacement for the uh, Loxia 235. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's really time for this. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I think every time we have a podcast, someone says, when is the really good 235 going to come out? Uh, we have at the moment, let me have a look at my list. Um, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten autofo- uh, um, native 35mm lenses. And uh, that's the most of any for collect, I think. 50mm might be... No, 50mm, it's only 8 lenses. But still, no really well-balanced lens, like the G Master 24, for example, which is small, which has great bokeh, um, and generally good performance, but not at the cost of size. I I think we can't actually hope for that in a 35mm lens, because as far as one can tell, it looks like 35 is just above the point where... There is significant um, mirrorless benefit from the short focal length, so I right. think that a really good thirty-five is going to be uh, autofocus thirty-five is going to be quite a big lens. But if you imagine that uh, Sigma one point two thirty-five uh, at one point eight or whatever or at f two, I think it could shrink quite a bit. Not not as much oh, yeah. as uh, one point four twenty-four, but. No, it'll be it'll be it'll, it'll be an upper semicron, right? It'll, it'll be eight hundred gram. Yeah, it, it would yeah. be an upper sigma cron, but uh, it's <laughs> great name. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's I why think... I wanted a little sort of a, I don't know a a, a um, an upper ultron or a, or a Loxia Mark II or something because mm. you'll be able to be that much smaller because of being manual. Yeah, I think Vogtländer got really close with the amount 35, 1.7, um, and that shouldn't be too hard to um, redesign for email so, so you have no sensor, sensor stack issues and maybe make it a bit larger so you have less um, or lesser cat's eyes. And the the, the really vignetting close. was just too much wide open, in my opinion. This is really what I didn't enjoy at this lens. So, yeah, I agree. Make it bigger. Make it just a bit better in this regard, and it would be a great lens. Yeah, there's no reason why they couldn't make the um, the, the 250, uh, uh, sh- uh, make that sink, shrink that down to a 35mm too, I think, because that should be, given that there's no need to, cut, to clear the mirror box, that could be a bit smaller than the, than the 250. Mm. So a two thirty five um Apolanta or something a bit similar could be could be fantastic. Actually they just did it. Just uh reducing it from sixty five to fifty um by keeping almost the identical optical formula. So yeah. maybe there's another fifteen millimeters to go. But of course, these 15 millimeters are much much harder to achieve. It's <laughs> obvious, but uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And do you guys actually expect uh, size to release any new lenses anytime soon, especially Loxias? To, to, to I have honest, no idea. Oh. I mean, they, they've been silent for so long. Are they putting all their efforts into that? Stupid camera, or are they? Uh, <laughs> what, what, what are they doing? I, 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 I think they're putting all the efforts in the uh, Bartes forty millimeter firmware. 
They've retrained all their optical engineers in software design. That's <laughs> they put them all in a room and um, they have to release white uh, smoke uh, once they've managed uh, to fix that. Then, then we are. So, yeah, uh, but, but, but I think that this lens really learned them a lesson, in my opinion, and this is why we don't see much of them at the moment. They thought they released a perfect product for e-mount users and uh, the lens everybody was asking for, and I bet it didn't sell as well as, as they hoped for. And uh, right now they are uh, yeah, analyzing the market and probably release another line of lenses soon. I could imagine this would be... Uh, yeah, that would be a typical uh, size move, uh, just release another line of lenses. And, yeah, uh, maybe an uh, uh, E-mount Otis or whatever. I think this would uh, fit into the direction most uh, manufacturers are heading right now. That's true. I mean, they, uh, there was a rumor about it a couple of years ago, wasn't there, that they might be producing a kind of a higher-end uh, Loxia-type lens, so yeah, mm. any amount. And, I mean, that presumably is where the profit margins are. And yeah, they, but don't, uh, do they have any chance to compete against Sigma? Because uh, let's... Also, so the performance difference be, between... The last Sigma art lenses, like the 28 1.4 or um, the 40 1.4, is there really a difference between that and an Otis lens? Maybe it's, slightly better flare resistance, higher contrast, but that's it, isn't it? Isn't it a shame for uh, for Zeiss that we discuss about this right now? I'm yeah. I I, I mean, uh, a few years ago, nobody would have asked a question like this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think they have to rely on... I mean, they, they can't try to compete with Sigma um, with a giant, expensive Tamron autofocus um, <laughs> because <laughs> it'll be more expensive than Sigma and it won't be any better. Yeah. So it has, to be, it has to be a slightly more compact, manual, uh, you know, kind of thing that dentists will keep in their cabinets and not actually use very often lens. And there's probably a bit of profit to be had doing that, and maybe even make them not 1.4 or make them make them 1.6 or something just to get the size down a little. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's very difficult for them. I mean, how are they yeah. going to? Because Cosina uh, Vogtländer, they have such a run in the last years. Um, they released uh, about three lenses a year. While we've been waiting two years for the next Loxia, and um, I think they have a much more competent design team, um, Vogtländer. So um, the Loxia line alone, um, they were they made some really stupid decisions in the haptics of them. And um, while you don't have such issues with Vogtländer lenses, they feel just right. Um, yeah, and. Uh, yeah, when the, uh, when the Falklander uh, 250 came out, I thought this is really bad news for Zeiss because I don't think you can make a compact manual 250 that's usefully better than this, and it's not all that expensive. Yeah. Uh, sure. So how? Where is the where's the niche left for Zeiss to make anything that people will uh, buy? 
Actually, Cosina uh, beat Zeiss with their own weapons, in my opinion, which lenses that come from the same line as the Luxia. Luxia. So do this they? Is a bit though, um, I always assumed that, um, but um, Cosina um, advertises the Otis lenses and the Mobis lenses on their site, but not the um, Luxia lenses. So I'm not actually sure if they actually make those lenses. If they, I always assumed that. I think I read about it at the beginning, but I may be wrong. I'm sure you did read about it, but I think lots of people have just assumed that Cosina mm. makes Luxia, and maybe they do. But I oh, agree with just, just one, one, yeah. one, one uh, big point could be the aperture, because it's the same aperture, actually, that is used uh, by Cos uh, the earlier Cosina uh, E-mount lenses and uh, the Zeiss Loxia lenses. It's exactly the same Sunstar, and I bet they are the same. So that, that's the same aperture mechanism that was used in ZM, and Cosina definitely made those. Which is another hint, in my opinion, because okay. because the the Loxia, the early Loxia lenses were actually the ZM lenses. That yeah, not a bad argument. Uh, yeah, but I, I think it's a good in, indication against because um, if a new Mobus or Otus lens is released, you find a press re release on Cosina's site. You don't find that for the Loxia lenses, and um, why wouldn't they um, if they actually made them? So, because because uh, they are direct competitors in this uh, seg uh, seg market segment and uh, not in the Otos Milvus segment. They don't have lenses there. No, not a bad argument either. Yeah, it will always be a mystery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, so the Loxia, the last one, if, uh, in March, it will be uh, two years old. And, um, yeah, the Batis, when did it come to the market, the 40 millimeter? One one year ago, one and a half already. Um, I think one year ago. Uh, yeah, um, December twenty eighteen. My list says. Mm. Um, so also more than a year ago. Um, can you maintain a, a whole department um, or even a lens? Yeah, and not release any lenses. Do they still have people who are just um, doing other stuff or? Yeah, it's really a mystery. Um, I, I think they uh, didn't shrink their design team right now. This w would have uh, sounded uh, to the outside. Well, yeah, it's uh, really um, a, an area yeah. where we can just uh, guess. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's only speculation, but if you have a big design team or at least a big, um, yeah... I, I don't know if they design the lenses themselves or if they just uh, have a big purchase team. So, um, but the, I think that this team is not doing nothing right now. And um, if we don't hear uh, from them for such a long time, they probably uh, make something bigger. And this could there be is a huge range of ultimate primes. I think they call that they? the latest ones, which they're working on, and only some of which have come out so far. So it could be the entire team's working on those. Yeah. Maybe. There's scattered new cinema lenses that they've announced but haven't produced. 
Oh, okay. Or, or of course, everybody's working on that uh, new ZX1, but uh, <laughs> I yeah. really don't know if this will turn out uh, as a useful tool. I'm very interested to see the first feedback and um, if this will ever hit the market, and let's see. <laughs> won't turn out to be a useful tool. It's a, a, a huge fixed-lens camera with a 35mm f2 on it, and it's enormous. <laughs> and who is going to spend their time processing their, their photos on a phone screen-sized version of Lightroom on the back of their camera? Well, people <laughs> buy Leica cameras, and uh, maybe... Uh, they don't. They aren't known for the best uh, ease of use either, and still dentists and other people but, buy them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, and you can, you can show you you can show other people that you can edit images on your camera in Lightroom. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, maybe as a closing topic, um, do you expect any, uh, what do you expect from, for example, Sony um, in 2020 from new lenses? Any well, the room is six new lenses, isn't it? And uh, surely they'll have a 504 because they've got a patent for that and they need it for the Olympics. So yeah. I think that's, that's a certainty. I think they uh, need uh, a 300 to 8 also. This yeah. Is very important. Yeah, there's no, there's no rumor of that, but I agree they need one, and that'd be crazy not to make one. So that's that's two out of the six. Um, there's a rumor of one APS-C lens, so that's um, who knows what that would be. So that leaves us with three more. The other rumor I hear is a fast ultra-wide. So there's leaves, certainly a gap for one, so yeah, makes that's sense. right. So that leaves two that two more that I have no idea about. Any thoughts? Two hundred one eight. One eight, two hundred one eight. Yeah, or I, I think one eight, one eight or, or F two could be possible. One of those. Is that a hope, yeah. I guess, or a rumor. It, uh, no, no. This is just a guess. We're just, <laughs> just guess. we're just guessing all the time. We are not uh, Sony Alpha rumors. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We call it a guess. Um, I think, and I, I think somebody uh, said it might have been Sar, in which case it's probably not true. But I think somebody said that one of them might be a Mark II of something. Yeah, that would be my guess yeah. as well. So, um, yeah, maybe a follow up on the. Uh, I was just going to say twenty-four to seventy millimeter f four, but they have the G twenty-four one hundred five. Um, so there isn't a big need for that. There's a bigger need for the 35mm um, uh, to update it, but there's more competition uh, there. Uh, hard to say. I, I, I could imagine it came up to 35.12. Yeah. I, I'm curious how the contracts uh, look like uh, f with uh, Zeiss, actually. Uh, when Sony will be allowed to release a Mark II version, uh, for example, with their own brand name, because uh, it's no rumor anymore that there won't come uh, no new uh, um, ZA lenses, and I think uh, Sony will replace them with uh, G-labeled lenses or whatever in the future. Has that been made official? No, 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 of course not. But we haven't seen a ZA lens for ages, and no. on the 
on the, in the same situation, Sony announced uh, the G Master line and uh, constantly uh, keeps uh, releasing new lenses in this uh, yeah. very successful line, which so is... The, the, only, the only way I could think of them uh, going back to ZA would be if they, if they want a brand name for Sony Aposumicrons. So... Yeah. You could have you could have G Master for the fast top of the top of the line quality ones, and then all Sony slower lenses have been budget, but there might be money to be made by having expensive slower lenses too. Maybe that's how they might use ZA. Mm. Yeah, but isn't it ZA burned so far? Because if you look at the lenses, it's clearly placed below G Master at the moment. Um, maybe with the exception of the. 50mm 1.4, yeah. if you look at the performance. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's because of history, of course. It's because all the early Sony lenses were a bit crap. Uh -huh. I, I think when they released the 51.4 next to the uh, 1.485 G Master, there was uh, an emphasis on resolution and bokeh for the 85 and resolution and contrast for the 50. So... Um, It looked like they placed them side by side, but of course the portfolio is uh, not as constant as the G Master portfolio, which yeah. only uh, covers top-end lenses that are fast and have good bokeh and are very sharp. Yeah. So really if we just dash back to that topic of, of what all the Zeiss designers are doing. Hmm. So I'm looking at the at the uh, I'm looking at the uh, list of supreme primes that haven't been released yet there's a 15 millimeter f1.7 t1.8 that they're still working on there's an 18 millimeter f1.4 they're still working on do these cover full frame or just super 35 so, uh I, i think supreme prime is it's full frame yeah okay yeah wow yeah um Uh, there's a 25mm 1.4, 21mm f1.4, a 28mm, actually 29mm f1.4, a 35 1.4, a 200mm f2, 150mm f1.7 probably, it's t1.8, um, a 135mm f1.4. I mean, that's a lot of lenses to design and difficult, complicated lenses to design too. Yeah, yeah. yeah so... Uh, maybe they have shifted the focus elsewhere because they can't make any money in e-mount where there's too much competition. I think I think they made really big money at the in the beginning with the first Betis lenses where there were no other alternatives and uh, the numbers went down quite significantly while Sony man uh, while Zeiss management decided uh, to put less emphasis on yeah. this. Yeah, Sony released one G Master of another where it felt like they went after the um, Bartis lenses. So the 85 1.4, um, uh, which the 85 1.8 Bartis was the first 85, but um, after that and the Sony 1.8, I don't think they sold many more. Um, despite David's review, and <laughs> I didn't make any money out of it, so you're right. <laughs> <laughs> guess so and um, then the G Master 24 of course uh, who bought a um, Luxia 25 after that and that only leaves the 18mm 
Um, yeah, and we were all waiting for Sony's ultra wide uh, Prime. Yeah, so quite a crowded yeah. place right now. Yeah, and I'm really wondering what uh, Cosina Vogtländer can do um, next. So, yeah, maybe that very high performance Apple 35 F2. Um, any other yeah, guesses? Yeah, 90mm 2.8 Apple as well. Yeah. I mean, I mean, 35 millimeters is still a gap in their lineup. Yep. So yeah. this is not unrealistic. Also, 28 maybe, but 28 yeah. doesn't seem as popular these days. Yeah, but there's a real gap because we have no really good modern 28 millimeter, which isn't above one kilo. A 28 1.4 uh, Nocton would make sense because at 28 you need 1.4 to get about the same blur as 35mm f2. Oh, okay. Yeah, and maybe more along the 40mm and 50mm, not make it super high performance. That's um, right, yeah. yeah. But more sensible. That's what Nocton means, yeah. Yeah, and I would uh, really enjoy that 75mm in E-mount because it's a really good lens, but it suffers a bit from the sensor stack, and um, otherwise it would, would be really welcome in my eyes. How much does it weigh, that 75mm? Ah, it's below 400. Um, um, 350 about. Uh, let me look it up. It's yeah, exactly, three, three, 350 grams, and um, so would be maybe 400 in E-mount, um, which is 200 grams li lighter than the uh, Loxia 85mm, for example, which is damn heavy. Yeah, so it's it's a little, is it lighter than, just trying to see if it's lighter than the Batis 85 Um uh, which weighs 452. Yeah, it is. Yeah, interesting. Mm, tempting. Yeah, or I think my dream lens in that area would be 90mm f2, uh, 400, 450 grams, um, because the gap is, that uses now um, my tail lens is a 110mm, which is a bit heavy and uh, a bit slow, and a stunning performer, but I would prefer less performance, uh, faster speed, and also lighter weight, and I don't really need the macro mode that much. Yeah, well, if you think about the relationship between the 65.2 and the 52, you have a very similar mm. relationship between a new 92 and the 110 2.4. Yeah, they could certainly do... Yeah, yeah, it would be interesting. Maybe a 90mm f2.5, um, but APO, uh, also a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be right. This is actually also what uh, drags me towards the 50 f2, because I always loved the images I brought home when I uh, carried the 65, but it just felt too large uh, for me uh, to take it for f2 lens and uh, i'm not a macro shooter i'm just fascinated by good image quality and um, 
this is where the 50 could satisfy me by a large amount. Okay. To close things up, Sigma, um, really interesting lenses in the 35 and also the 45, which is a slow, compact lens with great bokeh and some autofocus issues. Um, so I really look forward to the next lenses. Any guesses there? One of the things that strikes me about the, the autofocus issues on the 45 and thinking about the butters too is I wonder whether what we're seeing is uh, a systematic problem for any lens that has much SA in it if you're trying to do continuous autofocus. So the, the Sigma 45 has a certain amount of, of deliberate spherical aberration at close mm -hmm. distances, and they actually said in a in a reply to someone who wrote them, that's what explained the autofocus issues and there's nothing you can do about it. It's just the nature of continuous autofocus um, when there's SA in the way. And, of course, oh. the the Bartus 240, uh, even after the update, you've still got some problems. But, of course, as you get closer there, the amount of SA builds up in that as well, which is yeah. maybe why they put in the auto stop down to get rid of the yeah. spherical application. And it's only in AFC where um, on-sensor yep. AF is used. That's right, yeah. Ah, yeah. well, maybe unsolvable issue with the current protocol. Yeah, and it also might explain um, uh, the the tech art, which is you know a, quite a decent adapter. But one thing I've noticed is that any lens with a lot of SA, like the uh, like the C sonar, tends to front focus in 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 continuous autofocus. That that matches exactly with the experience we have with the Bata. So exactly, yeah, mm -hmm. and and the sigma so i think i think it might be an interesting sort of systematic issue mm. oh. and any guesses for new lenses or wishes i think there is a big gap on the tele end for third-party manufacturers tamara yeah. is going to close it a little bit with their uh 70 uh, to True. 180 but um, this is not closing it uh, completely for me. And especially a 100 to 400 uh, with a decent price point would be a clever idea to make, in my opinion. Maybe also 150 to 600. We see how much the 200 to 600 was appreciated. And I think many people are still uh, a bit torn off by the price point, And uh, this is a big gap. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's right. Um, I, I have, I have uh, a taste for um, short zooms, which are never going to be commercially feasible, so it won't happen. I would, I would love to see a like a seventy to a seventy to one hundred and fifty f two point eight, or a twenty eight to 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 forty eight, or twenty eight to fifty f two point eight. You know, a small zoom that is a decent small light thing. It gives you two or three lenses in one. Uh, That'd be great. Uh, let Let's see how good the Tamron is in, in this regard. It's almost what you describe, in my opinion. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. That's what was. Uh, I really fear that the bokeh will kill it a bit um, for many applications. I I mean, if the bokeh is not the best, but it's really sharp across the frame, I could live with it actually for hiking and stuff like this. Uh, yeah, with a tail lens, it, it would be would be background a often thrown out of focus enough that it doesn't matter that much. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the A7R Mark IV. 
Uh, Yannick, you have one, right? Yes, I have one. One um, user of us asked me why I dropped uh, my uh, yeah uh, Sony A9 for it. And uh, thank you, Felix, for the question. Um, um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting point because I uh, used to uh, talk about that uh, 24 megapixels are actually sufficient for my needs, and um, <laughs> I, I won't change my mind r here right now. Um, I'm still uh, convinced by it, but my, uh, actually, uh, what our readers have to know is uh, that uh, my life changed uh, dramatically in the past year. That's also why um yeah uh, i didn't write as much reviews as you're used to and um this is uh, my photo my photography will change as much as my life so i get rid of most of the people stuff concentrate more on reviewing lenses traveling doing travel and landscape photography and um these are the things i really really love and i um always love to play around with compositions uh, after taking my images and uh, this is where the A9 uh, felt uh, lacking a bit in my daily uh, experience also because it has a quite uh, thick uh, AA filter which uh, decreased sharpness a little bit on top um, and w whenever I came back from nice landscapes took my images it, it it was okay. It was okay for everything that uh, a normal customer will ever need, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, as you know, I'm not a normal customer, and <laughs> I love to, love to play around yeah. with my files. I yeah. just updated my computer anyway, so this is also not holding me back. And yeah. um, You've yeah, always it, been quick to completely changed your gear i mean you uh, had an icon uh, for some time yeah, and yeah. uh tried different systems and uh, you have always uh, changed rather radically um and, and i mean i i love to uh, i as you too uh photography consists also of two hobbies for me first one is uh, thinking and uh, buying gear uh, second uh, hobby is taking pictures <laughs> Um, and, um, yeah, I constantly think, uh, which gear suits my life best, uh, in the situation. The Nikon, for example, was, uh, in a phase where Sony's autofocus was really bad and, uh, my kids started, started running around the house. I needed something to, uh, yeah, follow him just and take yeah. my kid pictures I wanted to and uh, the Nikon was uh, the one where I didn't have to sacrifice an image quality that much and um, I, di I didn't enjoy the DSLR experience to be honest as uh, as much as I hoped uh, for and um, I was very happy to for Sony to release the A7 Mark III and uh, yeah my kids started to run faster and uh, <laughs> This is where the A9 saved my life. Uh, yeah. Now, now, uh, yeah, my focus is uh, a bit less on family photography and the tracking on the A A7 R Mark IV is gorgeous. So it's still uh, doing all the family uh, photography needs or still covering my family photography needs. And uh, it doesn't feel like a big downgrade uh, right now. 
in terms of autofocus and family photography. Maybe the silent shooting and the blackout free viewfinder is what what I'm missing more. And yeah, I'm really happy to have this uh, resolution right now just to play around with my images, um, having more to show in my reviews. And um, yeah, actually, uh, Philip, you, you started my thinking about it because Urian just uh, updated his uh, camera to a higher megapixel count. You said you're just about to do it, and um, uh, this is when I would would have been the, now. I would have been the only author left uh, with a 24 megapixel Which camera. Is me now, yeah. Th this so, would have would have scratched my pride a bit. So. <laughs> <laughs> so we now have to persuade Philip that going only to 42 is not enough. He has to go all the way to 61. Uh, no, no. To be to be honest, uh, here at this point, uh, 61 is not what I is not the reason. A uh, 61 megapixel is not the reason why I bought the uh, uh, Mark IV. Uh, I would have been. I would have been happy with 42, but I couldn't live without the tracking anymore. This is this is my truth. Yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about this quite a bit also. So I need a new camera. The more reasonable option is probably the A7R Mark III, but then the Mark IV is maybe 900 euros more or so, and you get quite a bit for it. Um, it's much nicer to use. It, the handling is just that little bit better. The hand, um, the handling is important in my opinion. The yeah, new, it is. Yeah, the yeah. new button design is is, is great. It's yeah. bigger. It's much easier to use with gloves and. Uh, yeah, and, and here's some. There are some things. I think I might have mentioned them in that um, little guide I wrote. But there are some things in it which are ridiculously small, and they could easily bring to the Mark III, but they probably won't. Like being able to bring up my menu at the press of a button. Now, that's yeah. extremely useful because it basically gives you two different function menus. Um, so you can at last never have to go into the real menu. And being able to save all your settings onto a card is really handy. And um, being able to uh, set a button that changes the function of one of your dials, uh, Canon style, I find that quite useful. It has all these tiny refinements which add up to a more pleasant user experience. Yeah, I'm I mean, really aware. But I then, on the other hand, 900 yeah. bucks, that's a yeah, yeah, yeah. rather nice bicycle. Uh, yeah, that's, okay, I can't argue with that. <laughs> I can't argue with a bicycle, that's all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I think I will chew on it uh, a few weeks more and then mm. make a decision. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so, so now you're the only one left with 24 megapixels. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest benefit of the resolution for me is when you're doing perspective correction. So, oh, I, yes. I yes. In, my, in my Canon days, I, I used to have um, the 17 and 24 mil TSE lenses, and I used them quite a lot. And when I switched to Sony, I thought, oh well, no problem. I'll just do correction and it was fine if you did a panorama because if you did a panorama you have enough pixels and you can then adjust the perspective in PT GUI or whatever and you end up with I think just as good a product maybe even a better product but it meant you had to do a panorama every time whereas with all, with 61 megapixels you can take a if you have a really good quality wide angle lens you can just correct in post and crop it down and it's 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 fabulous. It's just as good as it was with a TSC lens on a 24 megapixel sensor in the old days. Totally agree. Yeah. That's I, a really I, big difference. 
Yes, yes. And this is also where the A9 came to its limits very fast. Yeah. yeah. I, from my own use, I really rarely print any big... Um, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't mean, really notice it beyond pixel peeping on my computer, and uh, you yeah, don't have you don't have a 4K screen right now, now I guess, because I think I'm seeing the difference, the difference already there. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 when I take an architecture image on 24 megapixels, and if I have to correct and crop quite a lot, then the corners of the building are visibly just a little bit soft. Yeah, maybe it doesn't really matter, but they yeah, maybe oh. in one of one thousand images I take, uh, I would have slightly soft corners. It's always tricky to yeah, yeah. have a reasonable perspective on this yeah. stuff. And if you it, don't it, take it, a lot of architecture images, then it, it's not relevant. It, it, it's important to us, and everybody else gives a shit about it. Let's put it this way. Yeah, and uh, hey, I'm on the A7 Mark II. The um, our Mark III would be such a big uh, step from there that uh, mm. it's probably enough. Oh, sure. I, 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 I wasn't arguing for 61 versus 42 for these purposes, just for, uh, just for higher megapixels. 42 is plenty. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you, uh, being shamed for my 24 megapixel camera. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we had a rather long break between this and the last one and I hope we can continue it a bit more regularly in the next weeks yeah. and yeah been a pleasure alright guys it'd be great talking to you and uh, hear you on the blogs or see you on the blogs or I don't know what the right phase is from this distance <laughs>